On today's Prime Athletics Radio, we are joined by the Buttery Bros, Marston Sawyers, and Heber Cannon. Marston and Heber are film directors, producers, editors, and storytellers. Marston and Heber are known for documenting the CrossFit Games in feature-length films such as The Fittest on Earth, the story of the 2015 CrossFit Games, The Fittest on Earth, A Decade of Fitness, and The Redeemed and the Dominant, which can all be found on Netflix. They are also known for the popular web series The Road to the Games, which gave a behind-the-scenes look into elite CrossFit Games athletes' lives. These days, the Buttery Bros can be found traveling the world on YouTube, exercising, interviewing, and eating pancakes with some of the sport's top athletes. Their newest feature-length film, The Fittest, is out now and available on iTunes, Amazon, and Apple TV. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back, gang. Um, Primal Athletics Radio family, we're here with the Buttery Bros today. What's up? What's, what's up? up? Yo, what's up there, people? Um, we got a little quam, quam, quam going on. Um, <laughs> Buttery Bros, uh, film directors, storytellers, uh, CrossFit personality. So we want to kind of use this time today, not just to get some uh, prompts out as far as, you know, the films they put out, but also trying to get some story behind the storytellers themselves. So maybe diving into like how you guys got into film. Um, was it something you kind of grew up with? And then see where the conversation leads from there. Killer. Sounds good. So maybe we'll toss this up to both of you. Like, ha- have you guys been involved in, in film since you were young, or was it something you just kind of came about uh, as you got older? Why don't you start, Heaves? All right, I'll kick it off. Uh, when I was little, I was, I was like, <clears throat> shoot, it was like 1988, so I would have been like four or five, and the movie Back to the Future had come out. And my oldest brother, um, there's six kids in my family. I'm number five out of six. So my oldest brother um, was making like sketches for the high school assemblies back in the day. And he did a sketch called back to the future where he went back to the future to find out how he got so cool. And so he made this cool (laughs) little video and I was the younger version of himself. And um, from that moment forward, like I got really fascinated with watching him edit and how he would splice in music and stuff. And back then, like they didn't have computers, like you couldn't do nonlinear editing that we do now. He would shoot on a camera and then play it into a VCR and then record on another VCR. And so it was this very uh, rudimentary editing process. And um, I started doing that when I was in junior or in elementary school. And then since then, all the way through high school and college, I've been, it was sort of like a hobby. And then towards the end of high school, my senior year, I'd I realized that I could make a living doing this and um, that there there was a future as a, as a, as a job doing that. And so from my senior year on, that was the only thing I wanted to do was filmmaking. Did you go to film school in college? I did. I went to the university of Utah and got a film degree. It's a terrible, if you do film school, it's really go to go. My, my advice would be to go to a school where they actually have a good program and where you could actually meet people that are talented in film. The U of U does not have a great film program and they don't have a lot of, they don't have a lot of gear. Um, I I would actually argue that Marjan went to a smaller school down South that had way better production gear for him to be able to get his hands on. Um, But I studied English and film and I learned way more about storytelling in English than I did in my filmmaking program. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, what other, besides English, too, are there other, any other kind of classes you took that you felt pushed you more towards storytelling than, than the actual film class itself? 
the other class that wasn't in the film program that I learned a lot with, and I actually got into to a debate with the program about it, and they eventually added my, they credited it towards my, my film degree, was photography. Um, I took two or three photo classes in college and did a bunch in high school. And I learned way more about how, the, I actually learned way more than any film class I took, I learned how the camera actually worked in my photography classes. Um, and so they translate very heavily from still to video and film. And um, because I had had that experience, they were able to credit it towards the class, but it, at the time was not part of the film program's uh, curriculum. It's kind of weird to think that photography and film wouldn't be hand in hand at the time. Yeah. Marson, kind of similar narrative for you, um, getting into film, like early stages. Uh, I grew up like just interested in doing video production and well, not necessarily video production, just cameras in general kind of like sparked my attention. Cause I remember like my parents had one of those like giant VCR cameras that like you put an entire tape into. And I was always like, what is that contraption? And it was like, really was something that I was interested in. And when I was in seventh grade, I bought my first camera that was like a JVC. Uh, it was it was a terrible camera by today's standards, but it was like the first thing that like got me out, like filming my friends and filming things that I was kind of interested in. I wasn't editing or anything back then, but it was like cool just to like play it back and be able to like entertain people with stuff that I had shot. And then in middle school, I started, uh, I signed up for a journalism class that didn't really know much about and they had the new macbook like domes that were like colorful like those big uh computers and that was the first time i got introduced to video editing and it was like kind of blew my mind how much you could manipulate clips and add music and sound effects and everything and i spent the rest of that semester just like really geeking out and like figuring out wow this is like something that's I don't know if it's a job or, or or anything, but it seems like something that is at least a good hobby for a while. And then when I got to high school, I spent half of my senior year going to a tech center where they would like teach all the different softwares and all the different uh, ways to like all the different paths you could take in a multimedia career. And then in college, I happened to get a football scholarship to Dixie uh, University, but uh, they they had also just started a pretty clean film program that I was really interested in. So it was almost like a two for one. And uh, I went down there and got my film degree. I, I really like learned a lot more outside of the classroom. And really like when I applied myself to things that were uh, just that interested me that I wanted to tell stories about. And then there was like a, I remember there was like an old school professor there that worked for like NFL films. And he came from like a film background and he was like, you know, a pretty, uh, I guess, different. Uh, I mean, the fields are different from when he was there and when I was there. And so uh, his like production, I guess, is like student PA, like knew way more about like digital. And that was like right around the time when all that stuff was coming out. So I learned like everything I like left college with almost from the, the, the PA, from the student assistant or whatever you call those things. Uh, and then when I got out of school, I was just like hungry and eager to work for anybody that would allow me to make videos for them. And I started doing work for like a timeshare sales company that was just terrible. Not like the type of work that I would want to do, but it was stuff that would like at least got me out working and like 
making some sort of a, a career path. And then I ended up doing a lot of work for a local racetrack. And then that's around the time I met Heber and he'd been working for CrossFit for a little bit. And that's kind of where the beginning of like, where I'd really like figured out a way to make it a career and, and pursue it a lot more. Yeah. I mean, looking back, like from where you guys came from now, you got, you know, all these feature films, the, the Froning and the fittest on earth, redeemed the dominant, the fittest that just came out. Um, all these like very, uh, powerful film products that greatly affect the space that we all occupy in the CrossFit community um, and how, you know, you guys have like this unity of, of crossing paths maybe by chance and then become this kind of duo. Yeah. I think that it was like Heber was already kind of doing the CrossFit stuff. And then like at the time I was like, how am I just going to make videos of people working out all day? Like it just didn't seem like something that was, uh I, I just didn't know what I didn't know you know and it, it was this like new emerging sport that seemed really exciting and Heber actually was like the guinea pig to move to Santa Cruz and work for CrossFit like as their almost I guess it was kind of like their first uh video production employee and he was the guy that kind of dragged me or like didn't drag me but I was like how's it going over there dude and he was like well you know there's a lot of potential you're canary kinda, in the coal mine yeah, pretty much. And it was kind of like in those early days, I felt like it was like the boiler room. Like you'd go to this office, there's nobody there. We're all working. Like we look like we're squatting out of this office building that CrossFit was like supposedly renting at the time. So a lot, a lot of changes, but a lot of good memories in those early days. So it sounds like you guys obviously knew from an early age that you wanted to do something in this creative space. Uh, you didn't think it was going to be CrossFit. What were your aspirations before you found CrossFit? Was it and like indie films, was it going to Hollywood and doing feature length films? Like what, what were you guys thinking or dreaming of before you found CrossFit? I was always really interested in documentary type stuff just because I was, was like filming the world around me and stuff. I never really had aspirations to go to Hollywood or make Hollywood movies and stuff like that. Um, like I remember out of high school, like some of the like snowboarding films were like a really big uh, interest of mine and like the, the, uh, the art of flight and those type of things, just like the level of production that they were able to do. And uh, that was kind of more like what I was looking for, more like Red Bull and like action mm -hmm. sports and stuff like that, storytelling in that regard. And just, I, I know Hebrews is much different, but you can tell that. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I didn't particularly like documentaries back in the day. Um, you know, we didn't have the Tiger King back in 2007. We had... <laughs> We had worked in series. There's a few documentaries like Man on Wire was a really cool one, and then um, there was like two documentaries that I watched uh, all the way up through. What was that Warner Warner Herzog's one about the bear? What was that called? Yes, yeah, I didn't like that. Grizzly Man uh, or something? No. Yeah, Grizzly Bear, Grizzly Man. I mean, it was a cool story, but it was just depressing. Like the documentaries in my mind back in the day were just like they were depressing um, stories, and and for me, filmmaking is an escape escapism art. And so I always had ambitions and, and uh, direction to go down to Hollywood and make another blockbuster movie. Like that's the kind of movies that I enjoy. That's what I sit down to watch at night. It wasn't to, to look back at the, and pull the curtain to the dark crevices of the world and see, you know, what realities there are that people might not realize about like Grizzly Man is a perfect example. Um, but uh, I, this is, 
you know, kind of a cool amalgamation of, of I too loved in high school was filming a bunch of my friends just do goofy stuff. And then now I get to film me and Marson do goofy stuff and we make a movie out of it, you know? So I get kind of the best of both worlds. <laughs> well, I think part of the magic is that like the narrative that you guys are able to create is something that transcends just like fitness enthusiasts, you know, like there's this level of artistry that goes into like, you know, highlighting the triumphs and games. And I think it makes it digestible for people who aren't just CrossFitters. And I think that's like the, the real magic of what you guys do. That's, that's kind of the hope and goal, right? Like you don't want it to be limited to just people who, who like CrossFit. You want, you want to tell a story that's good enough that, people who like stories would want to listen to it. I was curious as like, I'm a musician. I, I write music and record music and I have this very, you know, kind of deliberate process when it comes to like, I want to sit down and write a song. Do you guys have, you know, like a deliberate creative process when it comes to like writing a storyline or trying to like, you know, lay out the narrative of the footage that you capture? What's that look like? Uh, I, I mean, it's it's different every time for every movie that we do because it's always like an emerging story that you're kind of reacting to as it happens. So as characters do better than you thought they would have or not as good. And I mean, like you almost have your cast of characters, but then there's always emerging characters that always change the story that are pretty pivotal to telling that story. Um, like after we get back from the games, it's almost like a whirlwind of just we killed ourselves trying to capture all this stuff and running around so much that we like have a little bit of a a time where we kind of like decompress I think and then we go back and we actually like look at the footage look at what we got look at what stories we can flush out and then that's at the point where we like start setting off to like travel around the world to interview athletes to help them flush out the story that that we're trying to tell and this last year we had an editor that was doing like rough cuts ahead of us while we were still producing buttery bro shows out out in the field and the whole time we were having a conversation with him being like hey are there holes in the story that we haven't seen is there stuff that we need to pick up the stuff that isn't uh very clear in what we captured so there's like uh, a, a very uh creative and collaborative process to come up with what the story is and uh yeah i think i what do you think, Eves? Yeah, I think every every movie's different, and this this one in particular was very different because we we didn't have that. We typically have four to five weeks where we sit down after the games and analyze and go through the footage and kind of figure out what we want our story points to be. This time we were on the we got home from the CrossFit Games for five days and then we were back on the road to Miami for for Buttery Bros stuff, and then to Hawaii and Aruba. It was a real rough couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, sounds horrible <laughs> <laughs> and so so and amid, and then the crossfit games opened started and we were traveling every week almost so it it, it was a uh, we relied very heavily on an editor that wasn't between marston and i and and uh he was like hey i feel like we're missing this element or this element but we sat down with him for two days and kind of went through uh our vision and our idea and plot points that we wanted to tell based on what we had done for the last nine months leading up to August of 2019. When you guys leave a games after, after filming it, how much raw footage do you guys have? How many hours of footage do you have to sift through after that? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. It's different every year. This year we shot a fraction of what we shot in the past just because we had to. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't just fill up hard drives because we, we had a – I think this 
I think we filled up a 64 terabyte uh, RAID. So whatever that calculates into hours, I don't really know what that is, but uh, we had anywhere from five to eight cameras rolling at all at all times. And like one of those was behind the scenes and that's like just churning through, you know, mm. hard drive space and stuff like that. So it's, it's hard to say hours and stuff like that. I just knew like what space we could. And like, even when we were there shooting, it was like, are we filling up this thing? Cause we had to buy this, this like server right before we went there and you only have as much as you have there and you want to put it all in one place and then duplicate it. So, uh, yeah, it's different every year. Like when we were at CrossFit, it was almost like spray and pray and just like, yeah. it's like, it's not my hard drive space. CrossFit will pay for it. Thanks, dad. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, year, this year we had 48 terabytes. Last year in 2018, we filled up a 96 terabyte. So wow. almost double what we had. I am interested in the, the logistics of the, the documentary this year. Obviously, we all know about the, the, uh, the release from CrossFit media and kind of the CrossFit putting the kibosh and all that stuff. So Going into this year, uh, starting with the deciding to do the film, how was this one funded? Was it out of your pocket? Was it a crowdsource kind of thing? How did you guys go about, uh, first of all, deciding you're going to do this film and then finding the funding for it? So when we were let go from CrossFit, um, we had a long discussion with a handful of different people about what it would take for us to make a movie or a documentary series. And Marston and I were kind of set on, hey, we want to do something different. We're away from CrossFit. We can have creative control. Let's make a docu series, and in our minds, we were going to make one about the document the, about the sanctionals events. So we were we were going to go to Dubai, we were going to go to Wadapalooza, Strength and Depth, and and a few others, depending on where the story was going to take us after the open. But after the open, those stories kind of got bland. Like everyone qualified in the open that we thought would be important, and then there was like kind of a few important stories. Like when you went to Rogue, it was like seventeenth place that qualified out of Rogue for the CrossFit mm-hmm. Games. That's just not that dramatic for a story. And I knew like 17th place at Rogue is probably going to be like 60th at the CrossFit Games. or we're not going to follow that person in the broader story of things. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but we, we, as a part of these discussions, we talked to brands, we talked to sponsors, and we talked to distribution outlets like Gravitas Ventures, who we ended up signing with eventually, um, who said, who really encouraged us to keep the movie white labeled meaning don't have any brands attached to it because then they'll have some sort of control so like if noble came on and they wanted to sponsor us in a big way would they limit me to go film with matt fraser because he's not a noble athlete i'm not saying that they would i'm just saying that that was a concern of ours and so that's kind of how the buttery bros spawned was i i was pushing to say i told Marsden like hey let's we didn't know if we were going to make money with the buttery bros i just said hey we're going to do all this fun stuff let's document it and we were doing commercial work at the time. So we got one of Matt Fraser's sponsors to fly us to Matt Fraser's house to make a commercial there. And then while we're filming all this commercial content, we have a second camera rolling that's just grabbing B-roll and stuff that we could use in the documentary later. That ended up being our first vlog called Acid Bath in Matt Fraser's Garage. Mm-hmm. Slowly after a few months, we started to get sponsors interested in sponsoring the Buttery Bros episodes. And so that's basically how we funded 95% the rest of the movie was getting sponsors to sponsor the buttery bros thing, which puts, which puts Marston and I in locations that are necessary to be close to the CrossFit games athletes. And they don't own any of the IP. So we can create, we can keep all the content to ourselves. And then we're able to take all that extra stuff and turn it into a feature film. So that's kind of how we, we, the business model we created. 
So kind of unintentionally. Oh, go ahead. With the, I guess the context that we're in now, like this uncertainty of, you know, what this season looks like, what the future seasons look like, are more the eggs in the basket of but like the Buttery Bros, uh, you know, brand right now? Is that kind of where the focus is at because of the fact that we're kind of up in the air? Well, I think that once we set out to like start making the Buttery Bros stuff, it actually turned out to be like a lot of fun. And it was like surprising that this was almost kind of be our, our way to fund the bigger project that was like our kind of our baby. But throughout the year, it was like, man, like, why would we want to stop doing this stuff? Like we're traveling around the world and hanging out with really great people, great athletes and stuff like that. So after we made the documentary and after we came out of last year, it it became pretty clear, like, Hey, this buttery bro show is a lot of fun. And like, not only that, we've started a merchandise clothing and, and we've got, you know, fans and stuff like that. It's just kind of been a, a crazy ride. So we were fully intentional to just keep doing buttery bro shows throughout the rest of the year, but also kind of doing the same thing we did last year, like still capturing content with athletes that we needed to. And yeah, I think that it's become very fulfilling personally. And, and as one is like a filmmaker to be able to make the movies that we have, but also to like kind of build our own brand on, on the, on the side. So yeah, I think we want to keep doing this. And I think that especially now with being like in lockdown, we're finding creative ways to like still interact with people and still make shows that we're, you know, just doing out of my, my garage here. And yeah, it'll be unclear how long we're going to be doing this, but like we'll still be making content. So. Yeah. We had uh Jake Kepner on a couple of days back and he was kind of, he said it was the first time he vocalized it was that like he's in strong belief that there will be no 2020 games and that maybe even indefinitely was his words. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Indefinitely. Uh, Yeah, I don't know about it. He didn't want to expand on that, but he did say indefinitely. Yeah, he did not expand. Yeah, yeah, I think there's, you know, there's been a lot of rumors that there might be either an online competition, which I think is not even worth doing personally, if you're going to try and crown the fittest and, but then the idea of them doing it at the ranch seems like if they did it late in late September, that could be a good possibility. And uh, I think that ranch is a great place uh, and it goes back to the CrossFit roots. I would be interested to go there and work on the media team and try and produce something great. Uh, and speculating much more outside of that, I, I just, there's not much else to, to really to go at. So. Yeah. Going back a- to the, Oh, go ahead. Here. I, I was just—I I would just agree with Marsh that there's, you know, there's there's room for everything right now, and uh, everything is up in the air. I don't know that I would say that they're gone forever, but I think they're changed forever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, go back to the the latest film, The Fittest, a little bit. Uh, when I when I first bought the film and sat down to to watch it, my first thought was, I wonder if they're going to address kind of like the layoffs and all that. And right off the bat, you guys addressed it. Uh, and you guys are both in the film in front of the camera. Was that ever even a question when you're making the film, whether you're going to address it or not? Did you know that was part of the storyline going into it? To, to me, that was the story of the year. Not that we got laid off. That was semi-interesting. Um, but the story for me was, wasn't, it was more about the seasonal changes and the effects that CrossFit had done to themselves than just the athletes competing. Like to, that was important to me to make this story different and stand apart from our other movies was 
it wasn't just a story about the athletes. It was a story about those affected by the changes of CrossFit. And can they still have a test that is worthy enough to, to crown the fittest man and fittest woman? And, it, and it's kind of a tricky tightrope you walk when you do that because it's, it's like you, you want to tell the truth and be uh, transparent with how things went down. But you also like want to re- maintain a good relationship because we mm-hmm. still want to tell these stories and go back year after year and, and be a part of this great event. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you guys... I think I've heard you say in the past podcasts before you understand it was a, a business decision, but at the same time, like you said, it's kind of a, a, a tightrope you walk there. What is that first call like to CrossFit, whoever you had to talk to saying like, Hey, can we do another film, even though we're not part of the, the team anymore? What was that first conversation like? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not sure what the first conversation was, but I do remember like having a specific conversation being kind of like, Hey, uh, right now you don't have any camera on the floor. You don't have a movie. Like, where we get all up in the athlete's face and it's like pretty personal. And I, I feel like that's what makes the content in the movies stand apart from other documentaries is like, you're right in it, you know? And me and Hebrew were like, we got to have a camera on the field. It, it doesn't need to be us, but like that's valuable stuff that we'll lose forever if, if they don't put somebody out there. So like early on, we were like, you guys can hire whoever you want, but we think there should be a camera out there. Like we've done it for the past 10 years. So, I mean, like we have a relationship, so it might as well be us. Right. Uh, but even, even when we were even having those discussions, I'm not even sure if we knew we were going to make a movie because we basically committed to making the movie the week before the games. So what about, what about you, Heaves? Um, I, I can't remember a click click about, uh, we had a number of conversations about like the 2018 documentary. So it just kind of rolled naturally into the 2019 one. So we had had conversations about them giving us the rights to the 2018 movie. Those conversations happened for a couple of weeks. And when they fell through, we said, okay, well, let, we understand why, how about we help you with 2019 and, and what can we do there? And they were very open for that. And um, like Marjan said, we, we had uh, conversations with, them specifically about the camera on the floor and how we could help each other. And they were extremely amenable to, to help us make that happen. We ever going to see that 2018 film? Um, Hope so, man. I, I would love to make yeah. that movie, especially now when we don't even know if there's going to be games or, or not, you know, like we've asked a few times and I don't know. They, it seems like CrossFit in general just is kind of bitter about that year, I guess. It's one of the greatest years in, the, in terms of like the competition. Yeah. I'd love to see that stuff come out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the events were awesome and they had like all the, you know, like the the Patrick Vellner story we never got to tell. Like that mm. in itself is such a great story. You know, first event had his chain fall off and takes like almost last on the first event. And then he falls off the cargo net and he's coughing up blood, but he comes back and takes second <laughs> place. It's like that, that story is great. The Laura Horvath story is great because she was a, emerging young rookie that kind of surprised everybody so there's a lot of storylines that we just didn't get to tell i mean matt and tia won again which you know i i call that again i guess again so this could be a crossfit version of the last dance maybe 20 years from now we'll see we'll see this film come out (laughs) yeah just have these these old crossfitters telling telling their old stories that'd be kind of fun i'd like to see it before then but it'd be kind of fun to see someday uh, speaking of Vellner, uh, we've seen a lot in, in this film with the uh, the Vellner Castro love story. What do you guys have to say about what's been uh, kind of happening on Instagram a little bit because of the film? 
Um, Patrick Vellner, and I know Pat and Dave talked directly about these same conversations the, the night after the CrossFit Games at the after party. Um, and they had a very forward and, and um, from what I have been told, a great conversation. Um, <laughs> greatly from this because it stirs the pot and it creates controversy and, and we don't have to be a part of it. We just let them have their conversation. Um, but I think it's kind of cool that, that Dave, for the, all of 28, uh, from, from after the 2018 games through the entire 2019 season, was very quiet. He did not say much about the sport. He did not come out um, to open announcements at the CrossFit Games. He didn't really say much. And so it's kind of cool to see Dave back on, on his hot box, on his mic, you know, throwing out some, throwing some athletes under the bus. And it's also really and cool. it's hot right athletes. now. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool to see athletes that are not afraid to, to voice their opinion about what they thought was wrong about the CrossFit Games. Like, I think that's a good discussion to have. And Patrick Vellner, I think he stated in an interview the other day was, you know, I could be mad, but to me, it means that Dave is listening and hopefully that makes things better down the road. Like Dave mm -hmm. takes his job very seriously and he's very proud of what he's done. And so I think, I think uh, to, to an athlete like Patrick Vellner, it just means that the next test is going to be better as a result of it. I think that that friction um, actually, you know, like propels the sport forward, given that in, in, you know, in the bigger picture, we are still kind of in our infancy and still malleable. So like you guys provide this priceless service of telling the story and providing that to the community as a whole, which allows, you know, the Vellner and the Castros to suss it out and ultimately move this thing forward and make it more efficient and make it better. And I think like just the service that you guys are doing through providing the narratives for us to ingest is invaluable, especially for like an infant sport like CrossFit. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I mean, it, One time. yeah, I, I, I enjoy telling these stories and it's just something that like, we've kind of, you know, we have great relationships with a lot of the athletes and it's been a, a great 10 years and I'm proud of all the stuff we've got to work, work on together. And especially all the stuff that, uh, you know, that, that me and Hebrew have created in just the last year. So going back to the film, I watched it last week and uh, obviously I knew the outcome of it cause it's, it's from last year. But when I was watching the film, I kind of forgot how long Noah was in the lead. Uh, when you guys were, when you guys were filming it, was that something you guys realized too? Was that kind of uh, like palpable in the community that like, Hey, Noah's given Matt a run for his money or were the cuts and kind of the controversies kind of, the overwhelming theme then did you guys realize at the time like hey no was sitting in first and he might take this what what's funny about that is i remember watching like the, the first person we screened the movie to was fraser and o'keefe and sammy and it became really clear to, to fraser he's like was i behind noah for this long like it didn't even occur to him that he was in second for as long as he was um yeah i mean i remember noah just crushing it like especially after mary like there's a scene in the movie where we're like walking back there and he had got his first event win and it looked like a different athlete and he he was just performing better than he ever had and yeah it was becoming kind of like i don't know like you have the the doubt in your back of your mind you're like is he gonna beat matt but then you're like nah he's not gonna be mad nobody's gonna be mad so that's just kind of he was he was a good character and i'm glad that we got to flush him out because there was like he was in a couple of our other movies, but not nearly like the, the character that he was in this one. So it was cool to, to give the the props to Noah that he deserved. 
And his storyline was pretty fun to watch too because just before that event when he, I think he came in maybe like second or third and he was talking about like, I want that first event win and then he, he hit it in Mary. So that was, that was a pretty cool storyline to follow. Yeah. Absolutely. That was a good dude. Good chat. In these um, uh, kind of quarantine times, what is, what's maybe some like adaptable things you guys are doing to continue pressing that content forward? Um, are you kind of altering your aims a little bit? You guys are maybe known as, you know, CrossFit gypsies. You're, you're out and about. You're in different countries. You're at different events. How um, aims kind of changed? Are you guys going to maybe flip-flop a little bit and start putting out some different stuff? Uh, I, I think we've kind of already started doing some of that. So there's like, you know, there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of athletes in the CrossFit space. And, you know, we're confined to a two-hour movie to try and tell the best story we can. And there's a lot of characters that get left out. So right now we've been going back and doing FaceTime calls with, like we just did one with Jimmy Green and we just put out an episode yesterday where we can kind of like, tell her story although we didn't very much in the documentary because she wasn't really a character that we we chose so we have footage of her and we can call her up and talk about these cool moments and kind of her experience in the game so that's like one way that we're incorporating people into our show now and then like we're we're still doing workouts and I've adapted my gym here into something that we can train out of and then we kind of like try and come up with something a little bit more uh off the wall like we blew up a watermelon a couple weeks ago that (laughs) is just kind of not not your typical uh buttery bros content but we're still trying to like figure out ways to keep our our audience engaged and interacting with them like we just did our top three pancake spots and then had a bunch of people submit a bunch of pancake uh, recipes and stuff like that so it's been fun we had people make homemade butter so we're still doing stuff it's just staying creative with it yeah, forces you to, to be more creative and find those other outlets. And I like the, the post that uh, Heber put out recently on Instagram. It was like a barbell on the ground. And he said, like, my squat rack's in uh, storage somewhere. Good. I get to get stronger off the floor. And it's like yeah. you know, just that mindset yeah. of do what you got to do because at some point it's going to make you better one way or the other. Yeah, that's kind of what we're doing is is and that's kind of what, how we started right like we had a we were dealt a bad hand and and removed from our jobs at crossfit and and we've turned it into something pretty awesome and so we're trying to just keep doing that now where where there's problems there's creative solutions and those that can find those will be successful facts what would you guys consider uh your your kind of dream project to be even maybe it's in the crossfit world maybe it's outside the crossfit world what would you guys uh when someday when you're you're old and telling stories to your grandkids, what what would you look back on and be like, I like I like that was the project that defined me as a as a filmmaker. Huber wants to make Mission Impossible Seven or something. I think. Yeah, nine, nine. They're they're already in production on seven and eight. They probably halted because of Corona. But yeah, I would love to make a Mission Impossible movie. Would you be in it as an actor? Maybe a stunt double for Tom. Naturally, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Were you Marston anything? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of. I'm doing what I want to be doing right now. I I don't. I don't know. Maybe have like a a pop up, uh, pancake shop. You know that that I'm part of. <laughs> little franchise. 
I, I don't know. As far as like future projects, I'm, I'm still I like, I like telling sports stories. I like telling sport uh, stories of like people at the top of their game and like what makes them tick and what makes them like better than the rest of the field. So I don't know what that is yet. We're still like, you know, developing buttery bros and that could become its own show that we want to sell to somebody else let down the road that uh is just uh i feel like there's a lot of potential with that and yeah i've kind of taken it one day at a time throughout this quarantine right now so looking back at uh, your your past uh body of work then what, what would you say is like the thing the documentaries you've done so far what's your favorite one that you've done uh, I mean, for me personally, I, it's, it's this, the, the new one, just because it was, it came with like a lot of struggle and a lot of like self growth. And like, not only like, did we start a brand in a clothing company and lose our jobs we, we moved across States. I went through divorce. I learned how to become a business person and, and also be on camera and try and be as creative as possible. So this one came with like the most, uh, challenges but also the most reward so that's why this one's the most special to me hmm. yeah i would say this one or froning froning was really cool because it was my first i hadn't done anything like it and i had to really fight to get it made by crossfit um and uh but they were very supportive and and but it was risky it was a, it was a unique challenge that kind of i did nuts to bolts i did everything on it um and then this one would be equally as fun because we, it was again a, a relearning process. Like we, this is the fifth one we've made, but it was extremely different process than it was an extremely different process than all our other movies. And like Marzen said, we had, we had to grow in really unique and, and powerful ways to make sure it happened. It's surprising to hear that CrossFit didn't want to make Froning because I feel like that was like, like you said, it was the first one that kind of propelled it and that kind of got it into the outside, just the CrossFit realm. I remember my mom called me one day and she's like, is this what you do with this CrossFit thing? I watched this documentary. So I'm surprised to hear they didn't want to make that. They, they did, but they didn't. They wanted it to be a YouTube video. So they wanted uh, to make a YouTube video about Froning. And I was like, listen, I, um, I want to make this documentary, but I want it to be respected as a movie. And this was all the way up until like two months before it was finished. Like I'm deep in the editing process of this movie before I finally got the green light for them to be like, Oh, maybe it would be cool to have this on Netflix. You know, like for, for a lot of the people in at that time, they, they saw YouTube as like, which is an awesome platform, but they were like, it's a, it's an it's a platform where the most eyes can see it. And I was like, yeah, but the most that's people searching for it. If people are, other people are looking for things, they're not looking for, documentaries like this but they will if it's just on a platform where they want to look at this type of content so it was supposed to be just a or they wanted it at least to be just a, a youtube series first yeah they, they were totally content with it being a 90 minute video on youtube and if you look at the same uh there was a documentary made about the 2014 games that's that's an awesome movie um and it's an hour and a half long or 90 90 plus minutes and it's it's a feature film but it lives on YouTube. And so no one talks about it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah. Me either. <laughs> the evergreen staying power that all the other movies have. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's just called 2014 games. Yeah. That's the name of it. I'll have to look that one up after. I haven't seen that one. It's a riveting title. Um, are there any projects from your days at CrossFit media that, that never saw the light of day that you wish got out there? 
yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I worked on one with uh, uh, Dylan Francis, who's a DJ, and he was becoming like he, he was getting into CrossFit, but I was just a fan, so I was like, I'll go film with this guy and see what his life's like, and like I got to travel around with him and go to like the the club parties in Vegas and stuff, and then go to him some other like really cool uh, venues and stuff like that. But I got fired before I could make it. So it was, there, there wasn't very many, like there, there was another one that we did where we went to Lake Powell with Marcus Brown and did a bunch of like really cool, like lifestyle uh, uh, water skiing. And he was like a world-class water skier. And that was like another story we didn't get to tell. Uh, what about you, Heaves? Yeah, I was going to say Marcus Brown or the Camaro. We shot this Camaro commercial. Oh yeah. <laughs> we shot it. Greg Glassman built this like, I want to say it was a $350,000 Camaro. Um, the, the thing had over a thousand, it was like 1400 horsepower. Like it was a weapon. Um, and he wanted a video made about it. And so we went out to the salt flats and we made this big video and um, we had written a script with a voiceover and because we had had too many people higher up involved with it, there was too many cooks in the kitchen and they all had conversations about what the dialogue and the voiceover should be. And no one could agree on anything. So it just sat at the HQ and never got used. So, and on top of that, I think we ruined his car. Yeah. I don't think oh, it to be driven on the salt flats here in Utah. <laughs> so, so they had to oh, no. the Maybe uh, foreshadowing. <laughs> Were you guys part of the, the Rick Ross film back in the day? Nope. No, that wasn't us. No, that was Savon. Oh, okay. You guys still in contact with Savon? Um, he'll message us or text us every other month or so. Just about he'll he geeks out on camera stuff, even though he doesn't film very much. He'll be like, "Hey, what do you think of this gimbal?" And I'm like, "You've done more research than me. I don't have time to research gimbals right now." Uh, but he'll he'll if I go to Santa Cruz, I I always try to hit him up to try and grab a burrito with him. Um, he's a good dude. I really like Savon, but. But other than that, I don't, we don't communicate very much. All right, guys. Uh, I don't want to hold you much longer. I appreciate you guys coming on today. Uh, do you have anything else for him there, Tyler? I just hope you keep churning that butter, son. Oh, yeah. yeah butter be churning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's especially like this downtime, getting that, that Bing notification, new Buttery Bros video. Uh while you're training see you guys Good. training up in the garage so yeah just keep doing what you're doing i think thanks a lot man sounds good thanks man thanks for having us i right, appreciate guys. you guys coming on Take great it easy. to meet you guys yeah later